name is Mike Goldman, and you've stumbled across a show called On The Mic. Thank you very much for watching. You can watch all of the crazy episodes at onthemic.com. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can like us on Facebook and watch this live stream every Sunday afternoon at 3. Instagram Mike Goldman Live. We're on iTunes. Find us everywhere. And hey, if you want to get involved in the Patreon side of things, we would love you to get the extra content that we provide and help us make the show. Thank you, Josh, Sam, and Keegan. Sorry, I almost forgot Keegan. You guys do a brilliant job from the Verve Network for cutting it all together and doing those little Instagram stories and letting people know about my little show called On The Mic. Uh, today, a guy we have, he's not a little guy, but three facts about this guy, Josh Reed Jones. He is the founder of the Just Be Nice Project. Uh, he also he gets a little bit thirsty when you twinkle his nipples. He doesn't even know why. And fact number three, he's toured the world as a musician. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to On The Mic, Josh Reed Jones. <laughs> it really sounds like so many people should just be clapping right now, really. Well, really we, we can edit in the sound effect of people applauding. Josh Reed Jones! Yeah! yeah. Awesome. Listen to that crowd! It's big. It's a big one. Mate, uh, you're from Victoria in yeah. Sydney at the moment in my little Bondi pad. Thank yeah. you for coming along. Welcome. Uh, we got a mutual friend, Lola Berry, who, uh, who introduced us and said that you're an interesting guy. Did some Googling, some investigating. You really are fascinated by the Just Be Nice project. Please tell us about it. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, man. It's a pleasure. You do have a beautiful beautiful home. So uh, basically the Just Be Nice project, we uh, we help people to help people. So I, my job is to go into uh, organizations or, or people come and they say, hey, we want to do some good. And I go, cool, let's let's help you do that in the, in the most effective way and the sort of the best way for you. So people who in the organization who need help or, or you just you just spot the problems that they have that they probably don't know about? You know, like there's a kind of a big um, push at the moment for businesses to try and do good. Uh, and usually what sort of happens is they just clip a little transaction on the end of their day-to-day -day business. So they'll say something like, and then one day of the year we do this thing or we just throw you know, a percentage of sales oh, we give, or we, we, give, all we the, give a check water or... Water to the charity. Yeah, we do a we thing. We built a well in Nigeria. Yeah, that's right. Or we have scholarships for <laughs> people who can't afford them. Yeah, exactly. So it's this kind of very transactional relationship with doing good. Mm. And um, what, is, what is the gap there between... You know, organizations who obviously think that they're doing the right thing by handing free shit out left, right and center and, and the people who actually need the help. Is it because they, they can't find it? I guess a kid somewhere in the Northern Territory wouldn't even know what the word scholarship means. Yeah, there's, there's no definitely... the little kids. <laughs> the little kids. There's, there's a handful of gaps, including like uh, just knowledge of what actually a good impact is from the organization that's trying to do good. Um, it, we've kind of been sold a pretty trans shitty, you know idea about what doing good is like do whatever you do in your day to day and then just add a little thing on at the end of it and i guess what we do is we say you're really good at something that's your opportunity to help people doing what you're good at not do what you're good at for your job go to uni do all this stuff have this business that does all these things and then just add a little shitty thing on the end of it and then say that you're doing the most good you can do. Actually do the grassroots level. Get get your hands dirty. Yeah, I mean... So you get your hands dirty for them. Have you had any uh, anything you've achieved so far that you want to tell us about? Yeah. Made any progress? Yeah, yeah. So like, for instance, it's like taking things like an accounting firm, you know, who would typically not have many opportunities to do stuff and mm. saying, instead of going and planting trees because you're accountants, <laughs> we're going to get you to give us a hand with like financial assessments for people that are, you know, under sort of financial duress or having some 
some kind of economic uh, distress in their life. And we need to know what's really going on because people game it a little bit when they you know, come to you for help. Uh, and so the, the accountants then can sit down and they can run through this with us in a way that we can sit down and say, this is Mike, he needs a hand. Tell us what's what's going on with Mike's what, finances. What kind of person would you typically, typically help? So one of our, one of the uh, tenets of a good impact for us is that it's an inclusive impact, yeah. not that it's exclusive. Um, so anybody who needs help, basically, we get refer, referrals from a whole uh, bunch of different pathways. Mm. Um, one of the things that's a real blocker to understanding how to do good is mm. that people are really obsessed with one particular kind of thing. Like, mm. I have elbow eczema, so that's my thing that I care about to the exclusion of nearly all other things. Um, when really we need to do a better job of helping everybody mm. who needs help. It's funny you mention that. My elbows are, are, are really dry at the moment. <laughs> Wintertime, man. So dry. It is, isn't it? Just oil. Just like, oil, any, any sort of what, grease, oil, any kind of grease, oil. olive so oil. I want to talk about Just Just Be Nice Project a lot because it, it fascinates me and I, I didn't even realize that there was a gap there that that uh, needed to be filled mm. and, and you're doing that. And, and I want to talk about your work with the indigenous communities and, uh, and, and so much more about that. But I, I just something I want to talk about first, I wouldn't say it's the most important thing, but it's going to be fascinating. <laughs> Why do you get thirsty when you play with your nipples? Matt, I wish I knew. It's the weirdest thing. It happens if I do it and it happens if someone else does it. I, you know, I don't, I don't anticipate it ahead of time. But if uh, you were just uh, playing with the nipples, I would be, yeah, really uh, keen for a drink. I just get thirsty. It's the weirdest thing. I don't know. Since forever. I remember when I worked it out and I was like, why am I thirsty when this is, you know, what's happening? Just a hand up the shirt and it was just a nipple tweak. Anything for you? No, it doesn't, doesn't. Doesn't do anything? Doesn't make me thirsty. It works both ways. You could do it to me too. It would still if, work. If anything, it makes me salivate. <laughs> Does that mean you're thirsty? I don't know. If I salivate <laughs> watching you play with your nipples, is that a different thing or the same thing? Uh, that's the end of the show. i got to jump out this window. Uh, so you tour the world as a musician with your girlfriend. What do you play? What's yeah. the story? Uh, Can we hear a bit? Percussion mostly. Hmm. Um Yeah, ex-girlfriend. So let's not harp on that for okay. too, too long. But <laughs> Are you single? Uh No. No, but uh, yeah. we're getting a lot of people making comments on the Facebook right now saying he has the most amazing eyes. <laughs> so, so just so they'll keep watching, just say, uh, oh, yeah, I don't want to talk about my relationship. I don't want to talk about it. You know, let's, uh, you know, private guy. We'll keep that, keep that on the down low. She's a lucky girl. Thank you. Thank you. As from, is strictly yours. from a man's perspective. Yeah. Because <laughs> you seem like a great guy. Well, you know, it's a you know, it's a thing. We put on the mask and we so wear it. You toured the world. That that must be fun. Yeah, uh, it's fun. Playing drums. Music is fun, man. It's fun to get out and do stuff. It's fun to see the world. It's uh it's fun to get amongst it and, and have a crack. So and you played a lot of footy too. Yeah, played footy, yep, did all that sort of stuff until I got too busted up to play footy anymore. From and Melbourne AFL, I guess. That's right, yeah. You, you got this stocky rugby league body. Like I grew up in Sydney and my dad made me play rugby league. I probably should have played <laughs> AFL, but you grew up in Melbourne, you played AFL, maybe you should play rugby league. Yeah, dabbled in union. My old man's a Kiwi, so A union? Yeah. Oh, okay. But um I went to public school and so it's rugby league in the public schools. Um they don't play union down. In, in Melbourne? Know. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Only So I, it's catching on in Melbourne? Well, Melbourne Storm have been so good for yeah. so long. Can't ignore it, can There's you? There's a lot of bandwagoners. <laughs> so everyone's like, yeah, if it's a winning team, we're on board. Still a big Storm fan? Yeah, yeah, love the Storm. Yeah. Were, you, were you upset when they cheated against Manly in that grand final? Mate, there was a lot of cheating going on, you I, know? I, I'm a Manly fan. <laughs> okay. That's why I'm, I'm giving you shit. But I'm also a Blues supporter, which is strange. Oh. Yeah, for a, for a uh, Victorian. Because you're born here? 
No, no, just no? Uh, back in the day, I was just a you know big fan when they weren't getting flogged every single year for a decade. You're a, you're a traitor. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? We don't have a team, so. Oh, okay, yeah, fair yeah, enough. Yeah, had to had to be someone. Well, can they have a team? Are there enough people from Victoria to be a part of State of Origin? I don't think there. I are. don't think so. I don't think anyone would care either. I mean, people are barely caring now when it's sort of a whitewash most years. So. Mm. So, all right, let, let's let's talk about the Just Be Nice project and congratulations on on finding this niche, this this incredible idea. Uh, let, let's let's talk from a, a little kid's perspective who you know not sure what they want to do with their life mm-hmm. and their career. How do you take them uh, uh, through you know looking towards the trajectory of where they're going to go and what they're going to do and and how they can focus on their goals and and to get one of those scholarships or to get something that might be on offer from a big organization. Yeah, I think um, the important thing is to is to go into a community or a person's life and try and understand what what they're missing or what they've got from their perspective, not from you know someone else's perspective. And say, listen, if if I was here and I wanted to, you know, uh, help a child understand that there is a scholarship, you know, for instance, at a, at a university far away from where they live, and it mm. was for a, a job that they maybe don't understand or mm. have never seen before, uh, what's in the way of that, and what steps do they need from wherever they are today? Um, to to where they need to be. Do they need to know how to read and write really well? Do they need a certain level of physical competency? And mm. how can we put together systems and uh, to develop that, you know, for as many people as possible? So usually that involves things like, you know, developing teachers and, you know, enabling them to have the resources within a community or within a school environment to do that. And for the kids, it's, you know, like everything. It's just make sure you get the opportunity to be really good at something. Mm. That's where you're going to have the best success. That's where you're going to be able to have the most impact positively, you know, in the world. If you're rubbish at something, you mm. can't really do much with that, mm. you know. I'm I'm never going to bake to save the world. I'm like the worst baker. So <laughs> Chewbacca's calling us. Sorry. I should have said turn phones off. Um Yeah, I'm I'm not a very good baker either. No, terrible. So, but but how, how do you ta- how do you help these kids figure out what they're good at or what their passions are and where they want to go? It's actually not that hard to find out what people are good at, you know, because it's it, being good at something is often like a, it's a process. And so it's enabling people to have the, the things in front of them that allow them to continue that process. So I might catch a ball really well as a kid and you go, great, you're catching the ball really well. And if we do nothing else with that person, they're not going to turn into a good footballer. But certainly that's like a great stepping stone mm. You know, if you then teach them how to run and catch and you teach them how to drop the ball on the, onto their foot left and right and mm. you teach them how to handball and you just keep those things in front of them. And if they pick that up, you know, you go, well, you know, five, six, seven years down the track, this kid's a really great little footballer. Yeah, so you just got to check in with him and make sure he's on yeah. the right path and and uh, and still studying at the same time. Because I, I, I love the way in America with, you know, the college football, basketball, athletics, you, you've got to get grades to be able to play for the team. Yep. We don't have that here. I think that's why we have so many douchebags playing rugby league. <laughs> I think we need to put something like that in place. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, like a balanced, uh, a balanced upbringing is, is good for everybody, mm. you know, and I don't, I don't blame anybody for not having a balanced upbringing, whether you come whichever side of the tracks you come from and, mm. you know, in the same way that sometimes maybe really clever kids aren't socialized that well you know we have really good athletic kids that maybe aren't as uh you know educated in the book smarts as as well Mm. um identifying those things and allowing people to play to their strengths but keeping a hand on you know a a balanced well-rounded experience of the world however that comes i think super important really what what was like for you growing up do you get bullied 
Yeah. Or, 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 or we, did you have a good good upbringing? You no. seem like a, a well mannered, good young man that was brought up very well. Were you? I got I got I got lucky. I have a wonderful mother, but uh, I grew up in a pretty violent and uh, an abusive kind of household as a kid. Yeah, we sort of, we had a bit of the. Uh, I guess the the once were warriors sort of situation with with my old man and yeah. uh, but on the on the flip side to that you know I'm, I'm very lucky to have a handful of aptitudes that have served me. Do you think me. that's that's what um, made you want to help your young kids be the best that they can be now from from that upbringing? I, th- I think made you realise certain things that you wouldn't do as an adult. I think what uh, what I took from from all the things that have happened in my life is that you know the gift of of a tough time is 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 taking that and using it to understand other people's tough times. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not obsessed with people who've had the same upbringing that I've had, mm-hmm. but rather say that everyone's got their worst, and why don't people get the help that they need when they need it for as long as they need it? You know, regardless of how they come to need help in the yeah, first place. I like place. what you said there. You know, about taking something from bad. And making it good. Uh, we've had on the show a couple of times Dr. John Demartini. He's mm-hmm. written like 40 books, travels the world. And when I say that, I mean literally there's a boat called The World. He travels around <laughs> on. And, and he lectures about, you know, I think one of, the, one of the best things that he says is if you're not thankful for something, then it's baggage. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about your father, you, you know, and, and having a, a rough time as a kid. You, you know, you're thankful for that because look at what's going on now in your life and how, how you're helping so many more people because of that, that little lesson. Yeah. Absolutely, and I think um, in at school when I, I was like a, a VCE camp, which is like a HSC camp here, um, we had a guy come in and he sort of spoke to everyone. He was like, "I can tell you two versions of my life, you know, and one of them is horrible, you know, yeah. and it was full of tragedy and it was really sad, and all this really kind of dramatic stuff happened to him." And he's like, "And there's this other version where I, you know, sound like a bit of a wanker because mm. it's so kick-ass," mm. and he's like, "People." It's easy to get people on side with your sad story. And gratitude helps yeah. get, get, get over all the horrible stuff. I mean, I've I found whenever I've been depressed about something and you know, compared to a lot of people, I have nothing to worry about. But you, you see some of the, the most successful people in the world being depressed. So I think you just need to be thankful for what you've got, right? Listen, talk about you know, the, the great things you've got happening in your life and program yourself to, to celebrate your life. But if you're constantly told, oh, yeah, this happened in your life, you should feel crap about it or something happened you know, 100 years ago to your grandfather, you, know, you should constantly be pissed off about it and try to you know, right the wrongs of the past. And you, know, it happened, you see it in the Middle East, you see it with so many different people all over the world. They need to be thankful for what they've got and appreciate what's happening and live in the now. Yeah, and as a community, we need to we need to acknowledge the positive things that, that happen to people, not just always chase like a sad story to talk yeah. about. Mm. You know, as a community, when you say, "I'm Mike, I've done these great things, and I've got these great talents," I should be mm. going, "Yeah, good on you, man." Not like, "Oh, that's a bit tall poppy vibes." In, in, in you know, in Australia, we have this tall poppy yeah. thing, and I, I got a, a great way to sum it up. I lived in the US for a couple of years, and I was at the crosswalk, and I said, "Amazing Ferrari." rock up and the dude's pumping the music's going like this and my my first australian thought was like this douchebag yeah and then like three people walking past americans just went all right nice car awesome you know <laughs> and, and that's the difference between the australian tall poppy psyche as opposed to just celebrating everyone that's successful and and doing great things yeah it really is and if you keep rewarding i guess focusing on the bad stuff it makes it hard to be grateful it makes it hard for people to embrace an attitude i suppose of appreciation when like if i come in here and say hey man i'm awesome at this and you say what a knob or i come in here and say hey my dad 
you know, was a bit shit and you go, oh my God, you know, tell me about it. It's like, well, which story am I going to walk out with and tell everybody all the time? Yeah. And how do I then focus on the positive stuff mm. if every time I mention it, people think you're a wanker, you know? Mm. So as a community, not just as individuals, we, we should probably not always encourage that like, what's the saddest thing that's ever happened to you yeah. sort of stuff? I mean, it, man, unless you're an actor and you want to draw on yeah, the pain drama. And, and, then, and then change to the scene and use that to make the misery happen. Yeah. I, I only say that because I've, I've been doing a little bit of that lately. Not that it, there's any, Finding some any misery. roles where I have to cry about. Yeah. Uh, Just to, imagine a lifetime of thirsty nipple playing, you know. It's <laughs> tragic. Yeah, just play with that nipple and, and you'll, Horrible. Start, you'll it's the worst. start crying. Please stop touching <laughs> Please your, stop touching your, your nipples. nipples. I'm sorry. Uh, you, so you work uh, a, a lot in Melbourne. Whereabouts in Australia do you travel with Just Be Nice? All over. And what, have you, what have you seen Just Be Nice achieve so far? Well, I think that the, our greatest achievement is, is taking people's skills and showing them that that's how they can do heaps of good. You actually can just do what you're really good at. Um, in terms of like for people that are getting help, it's, it's, we, we go to the same outcome for everybody. We, mm. we just want to make sure that they're housed, that they're employed and that they have good mental health. Mm. That's the outcome for everybody that we help. So... I guess that's kind of the same all the time. Mm. And different people start from different places. Some people only need help with their mental health. Some people only need a job. Some people only need a house. And some people need all of those things. And that might take a really, really long intervention with lots of, lots of stops along the way. But the, the, I think the best thing, one of the greatest things was, you know, even, even with accountants, like I said before, I remember mm. sitting in a meeting with a, with a firm and one of the guys goes, oh, finally, someone who acknowledges that accountants can do more than just ha- cut checks. You know, and I was like, well, you know, you got seven years at, you know, uni and CPA training. You manage however many millions of dollars you're managing in mm. funds. You got, you know, 200 clients. The best thing you can do is not spoon soup at a soup kitchen. Mm. You know, you can do more than that. You can do something be way better. Man, that would be the worst <laughs> possible job in the world. Shout out to Greg Kelly uh, from uh, Williams and Partners in Brisbane. They've been doing my accountants for a, uh, my accounts for a long time. And oh, it's you just, even got to keep your account just, in Brisbane. It's that bad. It hurts you. my head to even think about <laughs> it. In another state, but, but the amount of people that must accounting, for example, like the amount of people that must ring them every day, just having problems with shit, yep. and the tax apartments charging them too much, and their bills too big. I mean, for those people to actually, you know, put the yin in the yang and get out there and do something. Mm. Positive for the world must be really hard for them to break out of all that negativity. I'm only just saying things like I hate accounting because <laughs> you yeah. only call your accountant to complain about stuff. Be like, much. dude, what's going on with this check? That's you know, I want to keep more of it. What's happening? Pretty much. Yeah, I think that's and that's a that's a bit of a fundamental shift in the way that people help people that we're trying to achieve is to is to move away from that like hero moment into mm. like it's the stuff you can do every day. Yeah. You know, it's not about taking a whole day mm. to go somewhere and observe disadvantage. Mm. It's about being available for, you know, 10 hours a year for me mm. to bring someone in for an hour at a time mm. and you can help them at the other end of your skills. Mm. I mean, I can't do it. You wouldn't do it. You know, like someone comes in with their tax and you want to help them. You're like, mate, <laughs> I've got no idea. But like on my level, I mean, I have people contacting me every day. They say they want to be a voiceover artist. Or yep. They want to work on television. They want to start up a podcast or chat show. Uh, they want to learn how to pick up the ladies. Yeah. They don't call me for that. Um, that I'm always happy to say, oh, you know, these are the voice agents. You know, that you need to get your demo together or whatever. And I don't ask for any money for helping people like that. And I think it's, I feel like it's something that I owe the industry. And and I, something I love doing. I I, uh, I went up to Cairns with an organisation called Gilead, and we went into some of the local uh, indigenous schools, mm-hmm. and they they have a few programs set up to help indigenous kids. Uh, you know, figure out what they want to do in life a lot, a lot along the lines of, of what you do. Uh, 
the, uh, the the Shepherd Foundation, I think it's called, up there. It was about a year ago that I went. And uh, and the work that they do is great. And, and it's just mentoring a couple of young kids. Mm-hmm. And, and like they follow me on Instagram now and they message me sometimes, uh, hey, uh, what do I, how do I do this or how do I do that? And you, I want to know about the, the feeling that you get from helping people and what you do as opposed to just getting paid for doing a job and why other people out there should should do something along the lines of this with their 10 hours a year if, if that's all they've got to to contribute to society. Yeah, I think that... To helping people. Yeah, of course. Well, I mean, for me, it's... It's um, it's really... it's really I, I'm kind of divorced from the from the doing... from the face-to-face of the, the doing good bit. Mm. Um, it's really easy to get sidetracked when you're trying to help people with, with that coalface good times bit it's like running a business and the meetings are fun or like you know when you go out and you're presenting to people and you're doing that's fun and your bass statements kind of suck and you can kind of like let that lapse a little bit if you really focus on Mm. the exciting stuff Obviously, getting face to face with people who need help is fantastic. I really love being out amongst people. But it people. must bring a tear to your eye when you see someone over a couple of years who wasn't really sure what they yeah. wanted to do. They had mental health uh, problems. They, they, they couldn't figure out where their career was going. And then all of a sudden, you've joined the dots for them. And they must be very appreciative. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, is, it is really great. You know, it's, and over years of, you know, especially, especially at-risk youth, I think they're like probably, you know, one of the really rewarding communities to work in. Over a long period of time, you do see... A bunch of kids who were rat bags sort of you know coming together and working it out and getting some shots and those things that really matters you know and it fe- of course it feels great you know to do those things um but for every you know 20 minute moment that that happens you know there's probably 75 bazillion hours of stuff that's not that exciting behind it mm. so you know we try and give everyone a chance to get a hand on it mm. by making it really relevant, making the help really relevant mm. so that, you know, you, you're helping people with podcasts, you're helping people with their mm. voiceover stuff. It's super relevant for so you. You're just promoting being nice and helping the world. Be nice. In some way, shape That's or right. form. Yeah. How yeah. did you come about the name? Were you thinking about, okay, I just want to start a business that helps people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a hole in the market there between people don't know what they want to do. They might have mental health problems and, you know, getting to university or getting the job they yep. want. What were you, were you thinking about it? it I guess uh, the way that it's sort of structured is like in a, pyramid with sort of three bits and the base of it is that everyone can just be nice like non-verbal kids can be nicer to each other Mm. and then the next step up on this kind of pyramid of impact is to be really good at something Mm. and then the next step up is to do good Mm. and so it was kind of like well what's the thing that everyone can do i can all just be nice everyone can be a bit nicer Mm. and take ownership of that themselves and not everyone can be really good Mm. at something and and do heap and have heaps of impact you know, the numbers dwindle towards the top. So if we called it the, you know, just have a big impact group, it would only, it'd only work for a few people, yeah. you know. That but works for everything. Works for Just kids. be nice, works for everybody, you CEOs, know. CEOs, bosses of companies. That's right. You mentioned that you might have had a, you mentioned you had a rough childhood. You might have been bullied a little bit at, at school. A little bit. What, I used to you, tap dance and what, had a big afro and oh, used to read did. books at lunchtime and that, stuff. So, yeah. That was one of the facts that you didn't tell us that <laughs> yeah. we could have mentioned. Yeah. Is that when you figured out that your nipples make you That's cry? That's right. You know, just the little... Make you thirsty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, when, when you're a kid getting bullied, uh, you know, obviously you, you take positive out of that. So, you, you, you know, wanted to start this Just Be Nice organization so maybe a kid will hear about just be nice and think okay i'll just be nice for a a change yeah uh what do you think about the zero bullying uh in schools zero tolerance of bullying in schools yeah i have a little bit of a interesting relationship i think with bullying because i'd come home from whatever went down or you know that sort of thing and mum would go to me the first question she'd ask was what did you do you know she knew i was a mouth 
So Cle- it's your clever fault. kid. Yeah. Not, not same, that it, same with me. Not that it was my fault, but just like, come on, stuff beatings don't just fall out of the sky usually, you know. And they do. <laughs> sometimes they do. But, you know, the, the fact was most of the time I was being a little mouth and, and then someone who wasn't a mouth but was bigger than me would have a crack. And, and you know, she'd say, look, just laugh at when they call your names and whatever, just get, go along with it. And I literally remember the first time that a guy called me Bush was had a big afro. And I had a million nicknames, Curly Sue, Ronald McDonald, whatever. They just yell what? And it used to upset me. But you're a ringer. No, 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 just an afro. Oh, okay. You don't need to be that specific when you're a kid. You can just pick a thing and yeah, pick yeah, on anything. it. Anything. Oh, nose face. Nice nose on your face, nose face. Stop it. <laughs> so, I mean you had to bully me. But I remember laughing one time. They go, oh, they call me Bush. I said, all right, call me Bush. And the guy's face literally was like, uh, what? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, go ahead. No. Well, this care. is no fun, you know. That's like, cool. A nickname, thanks. It doesn't mean anything. Water <laughs> up a duck's back. Yeah, and that was that was a big deal. So I think, like, when we, what what we're encouraging all the time when we, the conversation about bullying at the moment is mm. really focused on, have you been bullied? Do you feel bad? Mm. Um, my experience in communities and 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 with people who get in trouble with bullying is they're often having a tough time themselves. Yeah, you know, and we're punishing people that often uh, have other things going on. Yeah, rather than encouraging kids who just to learn a lesson that sometimes people say shitty things to you, mm. you know, be better than that you, yeah. and build character yourself. You never know what that person that is person, actually going through Horrible things home. can be happening at home, you know. Mm. And like, that's, I remember that's I, I, I might have been a bit of a smart ass in yeah. class and, I, you know, I might no. have you know, been a bully to other kids and, you know, they were bullies to me as well. But at, at the time, I mean, my parents were, were getting divorced and, you know, punching each other and carrying on all sorts of horrible things were happening. And, and that, you know, people didn't know what was going on in my life. So you never know what, what's going on with a kid's life yeah. and why he's saying certain things or where he's getting it from. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it comes back to the, the parents in a lot of ways. And I find it incredible in, in today's society. It's so hard to adopt a child, but any lame brain idiot can go and have a kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting sort of variation on like mandatory sentencing, which also doesn't really work. You know, like if you just like... You said something mean, you're instantly a terrible person and you're going to get in trouble. Mm. It sort of prevents the investigation into why you're acting up in the first place. And that's not a good lesson for people to learn because it yeah. makes it all about the person who's been bullied. And it, and it, gives, it gives bullies power that way. Mm. Because, you know, if I just keep telling you, hey, Mike, feel good about yourself regardless. Feel good, feel good when you're a little kid. It works when you're a parent to make you feel good because I'm the most important person in your life. Mm. So... When I tell you to feel good, you do. Problem is when you get a little bit older, the parent is no longer the most important person or the most important voice in your life. And what I've actually taught you is feel how people tell you to feel. Mm. So all of a sudden you fall in love with Emma at, at age 12 and Emma says, you're the worst, you know, go run away from home and move to Queensland on a bus because you're a loser. Mm. You've, you've learned your whole life to listen to what people tell you to feel. And as your parent, I say, no, don't feel bad, Mike. You're a good guy. And you're like, well, it doesn't matter what you say because I love Emma and she's the most important thing. Mm. And that's a terrible lesson for mm. kids to learn. Like mm. what you need to learn is like, hey, if you do a bad thing, feel bad. Don't do it again mm. and feel good that you didn't do it again. Mm. You know, build that up yourself. Get an identity that, that is predicated on what you do every day mm. and work on that. And then when someone says... Uh, something really completely stupid like Mike your big blonde afro is ridiculous I know you are but what am I yeah <laughs> you that's just, not my only comeback <laughs> you just go well I don't even have one so that's a stupid yeah. thing to say and when someone says something else to yeah. you 
You just it's the same process. Don't take it on board. Yeah. Just just be your own person. Yeah. Uh, back to the the uh, bullying thing and the, there's a lot of schools now that are saying there's zero tolerance and mm-hmm. they'll they'll kick a kid straight out. You, like we're talking about how you never know what that kid's going through mm-hmm. at home, what problems they're dealing with and sending them home to more shit <laughs> and more time on on their own to, you know, go and shoplift or graffiti or do horrible stuff. It's it's not good. Yeah. So, so there's all these crazy lefty people that are saying, oh, you know, zero tolerance. You can't even tell someone that they've got funny hair. Yeah. It's just completely wrong. I feel like there's a, the, the solution is in, is in support for all the people. The person who's obviously really affected by it needs support to understand like, hey, don't listen to this idiot and let's work on these things. And then the person who's saying these things needs some help to understand, you know, why that's not a good thing to do and find out why you're actually acting up in the first place. Mm. Um, we have a, It's really easy to change people's actions. You can make a rule, you can do that thing, you can boot people out, you can remove them. Mm. But changing attitudes takes a long time, takes a lot of engagement and that's where we miss, we're missing that piece a lot. Mm. So you drive down the freeway, you slow down under the bridge because mm. you know there might be a camera there mm. but it doesn't fundamentally change your attitude about doing 106 on a freeway. You just mm. like change your action because you know there's a speed camera there. There's the same sort of thing with this stuff. Like mm. people like, oh, we won't. I won't tell Mike he sucks to his face. But as soon as he walks off, I'll tell him he sucks. <laughs> you know, like and and we'll write it in the comments section below. Right, that's <laughs> that's it. You know, we'll just tweet at him. I'll just say that thing. You know, and that and that makes it difficult because yeah. you know, as soon as there's a crack and mm. it looks like it's okay to say it to your face, bang, and mm. you are just totally unprepared for it because you thought we'd stopped all that, but we hadn't. We just moved it to. A, darker corner of the room you know so when you're working with these uh indigenous kids or underprivileged kids i'm I'm, I'm interested to know about the indigenous kids Mm -hmm. uh because like being a white guy uh you know that how do you tell them uh how to live their life do you do you you find that that sometimes they're a little bit submissive i don't really or dismissive uh i don't really i don't really um can i say that again that was shit (laughs) do you find when do you find when you're working in indigenous communities that they're a bit dismissive because you're a white guy coming from the city telling them what to do and how how do you how do you win their trust Uh, that's a it's a big issue um there's been decades of i guess abusive trust in indigenous communities in particular um so they uh, it's not it's not the color of your skin that dictates whether or not they trust you it's whether or not you actually there to actually do something and, mm. and you're prepared to invest in the long term and you don't sort of oversell what you're there to do mm. um what what a lot of people do is get there get an idea about something pop mm. in for a minute and then mm. leave and that has happened so many times that they you know it takes a long time to earn the trust mm. the way that we do things i'm i'm, I'm comfortable with that that's fine mm. um my, my old man is i guess like has an indigenous new zealand background mm. which is not dissimilar you know, um, in some respects to, you know, Indigenous Australian sort of situation. But no, no, never have I been in a room with Indigenous people or in a community with Indigenous people and they've said, you know, justify why you care because you've been through the same thing. They just want to hear, they just want to, you know, someone to listen and pay attention and address their concerns as their concerns, like everybody does. It's the same for everybody. Mm. The difference is they weren't even allowed to vote in the country until the 70s, basically. Mm. And so they're behind the eight ball in a lot of regards in terms of representation, you know, at a level that informs policy and, and gets things done. And there's been a very sort of paternal sort of relationship between the Australian broader australia and the indigenous australia mm. um 
you know, which has been, it's been misused. Like they've been, they've been treated pretty poorly for a long time. So whereabouts in Australia do you work with these indigenous kids? Uh, wherever they are. So yeah. all over the place. Uh-huh. Like I was saying. I, I, so you got a team of people or is it just you? Yeah. So we, what we do as well is work with existing organizations and augment their capacity. So you might have a you might have an organisation that's that does a really good job of say mentoring mm. or um, providing uh, like uh, notepads and pens and stuff to to a commu- you know to people or to a community, but that's not solving anything by itself. It's like trying to build a house and only paying a plumber. You need the carpenter there, and you need a flooring guy, mm. and you need a roofer and a sparky, and they need to you come need a good at, team. Yeah. You need a team, and they need to come at the right time, and they need to be paid what they need to be paid. And you know the end goal needs to be clear and sort of managed by a third party. Mm. That's what we do. So we we go in and augment the capacity of a school to do some other things. They might not have access to information or certain people to come and work with the kids and teach them about what being a lawyer is or you know blah 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 blah. So it's mainly in low socioeconomic areas and 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 you're so telling them about things that they would know about there in the city that that they could they could do and they could you know look look for that new career uh when i was in, in Cairns, i was talking to a lot of people at the indigenous health mm-hmm. group there because i was with this company uh called gilead and they they have uh like the the cure for hepatitis c uh, the the AIDS vaccine, mm-hmm. yep. uh, the Zika virus vaccine, and, and so many things. Incredible organisation do some amazing work, and uh, the the, uh, the doctors and nurses that work there and the Indigenous elders were saying whenever they train a young Indigenous kid to be a doctor or a nurse, a lot of the time they they end up saying, "Well, I'm out of here. I don't want to be in this place anymore," and they find it hard to get people to go to those regional areas to work Mm -hmm. do you do you find that same thing it's hard to get people to go to regional areas for anything Mm. you know um there's been like a flood of people from rural areas into urban areas in almost every developing country or developed country you know on the planet at this point in time so there is there is challenges around that um but certainly for me that's not a that's not a barrier to to going in and doing doing work there or, or attempting to get people out difference is it's just not a lot of spots for people Mm. um but part of that also is that you know we're not we don't just work with low ses communities like um i do you know i've done work say at at melbourne grammar school Mm. which is about as as sort of the other end of the scale as you can get Mm. it's just you're just working on different things they have Mm. a different set of issues and they need a different they need understanding the other direction as well Mm. they need to understand that it's not just a matter of hey, just work harder and you can do good as well. Mm. And why don't you just go and take all these opportunities that we know exist? Mm. So They've still got to learn to be nice. That's right. They've still got to learn to be nice and they've got to learn to deal with life and, and they've, got to, they've got to develop. An un- it's, not, it's no one's fault that they are missing a, a particular context. Mm. If you grow up in a really low SES environment, you're missing a whole bunch of contexts that, that people on the other side you know, of the tracks, you know, so mm. to speak, that they have. But likewise, if you have a really privileged, resource-rich upbringing, mm. it's not your fault that you don't get what it's like to not have that. Mm. So, so do you do you go to those kids and say, "Hey, listen, you guys have got it pretty good. Yeah, uh, you better make the most of this because there's people who don't have anything like what you've got." Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, when you stand in a room full of those kinds of people, and I ask the question like, "What do you think when you think of opportunity?" They almost invariably say things like, "Oh, um, education and a job and stuff like that," and. The thing is, you're really poor at recognizing opportunity you, you've always had. So when I say, when they say that, I say, well, shoes are an opportunity. But you only know that if you've ever not had shoes for a week, you know? And then you're like, yeah, I've totally recognized that because, you know, that sucked. It was embarrassing. It was hard. My feet got cut up and it was terrible. 
If you've always had shoes, you don't even recognize that that's a big deal. Mm. So you're basically teaching those kind of privileged kids to know what it's like if they were underprivileged. Yeah, to to, to give them tools to better understand that content. Maybe take them to some of those other areas so they can see and appreciate what they've got. Yeah, sometimes that... I mean, that's a part of a lot of their curriculum. Yeah, that's that's a part of a lot of their curriculum. But before... Before we're going to take them somewhere, we want to teach them how to understand things even better than just going and observing them. Like take the moment to give them the tools to understand from someone else's experience instead of going and and seeing someone and going, well, I think this then because I've seen X. It's about saying, well, there's actually a few more steps you can do to better understand their their situation when you do eventually go and maybe see it at the same time. I mean, if you if you can't, if you don't understand algebra, there's no point taking you somewhere where they're talking about it. I have no idea about algebra. <laughs> How do you give two pieces of fruit X. that equals X <laughs> amount of onions times Y potatoes? <laughs> Obviously, Pythagoras. It. It's Pythagoras now, every time. Mr. Farnsworth at St. Paul's <laughs> High School in Manly. Like, most of the time I walk into class... I go, yeah, g'day, mate. Here we go again. And he'd, he'd send me out before I even say anything because he knows that I just had that smart-ass look on my face. Is there, is there something that you tell these kids in general whenever you, you go and work with them, uh, like the, the first three things you can do to be nice or how you can be nice? Like, what, what, How would you lay it out for them and, and tell them exactly what you're there to do? Yeah, so the, when we're talking about being nice, it's, it's about um, everyone gets to define their own sort of version of that I suppose and it's about sticking to it really so the simple things around manners and stuff like mm. say thank you and you can say thank you very much and that's a little bit nicer you can ask people how they are I mean when you're driving you should wave every time you should wave every time why do people not wave <laughs> that's the worst when, when you've let them in just I wave think, well you travel all over Australia yep. where do they wave the most uh, country somewhere. Yeah, uh, but in the but cities, in the cities there's not as much waves. Where's the, I think Sydney would be the worst. Sydney's the worst. Like, no one waves in Sydney. And if, it, if anything, they're waving with, with one finger. But also you need to wave three kilometers before you get on a ramp because if you don't make the right decision three kilometers earlier, you're going to miss it in the first place. It's so. getting to the point where you almost have to do hand signals hand as well signals. as indicate so people will actually let you in. It really drives me and, nuts. And it's like, why, why won't people just let you in? Why do they get so frustrated that, that that little section is going to hurt the rest of their day by letting someone in? Or if I you're mean, trying I understand to... if someone's, you know... Up the side of the road where they're not supposed to drive in a bus lane, and then just cutting in because yeah. they're in a hurry. But that, like we said earlier, you never know what that person's. You going don't through know. Like, just let him in. Take a deep breath. Do you think it's because people get frustrated quicker and easier in a, in, in a city where you know inflation's going through the roof, house prices are so expensive, they're not earning enough money? Yeah, I think that's. I think all of those things contribute absolutely. Financial stress is a really big one for a lot of people. Mm. Um, and obviously, if you live in Sydney, you're probably enjoying some degree of financial stress. You know, it's not a, it's one of the most expensive places to live. But I also think it's just people not people letting other things affect what makes them happy instead of saying I'm a good I'm happy because I'm a good person because I always wave. Mm. And even if the guy I'll always let them in, I'll always stop. I'll do that because it matters to me to be that kind of person instead of being like someone inconvenienced me. This is the worst. And it's like, well, yeah. you're putting too much on everybody else, yeah. and you'll never be able to control all of that. Is that a that's a kind of a Buddhist principle, isn't it? Yeah, I think there is certainly some element to that. Um, studied, Are you religious? Not, no. I have a degree in philosophy, and mm. so I studied a bunch of that stuff at uni. Um, we did a lot of various religious uh, studies in the you know, seven years of uni or whatever it was. And um, but I don't I don't believe in like a monotheistic kind of 
interventionist God, but I definitely think that if you're uh, if you're good and uh, you know and positive that you bring better energy to what yourself. What goes around comes around. Yeah, but generally. I like what you said there about you know you know who you are, know yourself, and if you see someone stressed out. Don't take that on board as something that you have to deal with. Yeah. I sort of tread somewhere between Buddhism and Stoicism in that regard. What's Stoicism? Stoicism is like, a, it's, a, it's a sort of an, it's an ancient, I guess, Mediterranean philosophy. Um, a couple of, if you've got a chance to read maybe Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, who you might remember from the Gladiator movie as the guy that dies and has that horrible son. Yeah. Um, it's about taking responsibility largely. Oh, the actor wrote this book. No, the the guy that it's based on. So oh, okay. he was he was a real I, I didn't Roman know emperor. It was a true story. Yeah, he's a, yeah, Commodus is a real guy. The like the horrible I brother. I didn't know that Gladiator <laughs> was real. Yeah. Mind blown. It wow. was worth it. Just you know, today was totally worth it just yeah. for that. So I'm gonna watch it again now. Marcus Aurelius, big deal. Um, Stoic. Uh, learned from a bunch of people as well. And there's a handful of very significant Stoics that have written written extensively from back in the day. But it's really about taking responsibility for how you feel and what you do and not letting the world ruin your life around. Yeah, or run it. Just go, look, there's no good or bad. There just is. And my attitude is kind of how is what makes the difference. You know, and if you can go through life like that, I mean it's it can be hard, it can be a little bit cold sometimes for some people. Um, but I'm a pretty rational person, so it, it really resonates with me and I sort of take that attitude a lot. Mm. Helps me get through people being You mentioned meditation terrible. before. Do you meditate? Uh, so, look, I'm not very good at meditating. I, I try and, in, and be present in the moment of things and that's hard enough for me as opposed to sitting down and trying to like be just by myself. I just try and be enjoy things for what they are. You know, people have trouble being present in the moment yeah. because there's so much going on. Not just in your phone, because you've got 20 apps open with yeah. 50 different people messaging 12 you tabs. on all of the different apps, and and all of the other shit that's going on in your life: the bills to pay, the the phone yeah. calls to return, the emails to return, or and, and it's easy to just sit there and be having a conversation with someone, be actually thinking about something else, like our little kids are on their phone and talking to their mum or whatever. But being present and focused in the now in the moment is is something that is has helped me figure out what to do and where yep. i'm going with my life definitely because i found out i was getting caught up with a lot of shit that was going on around me and having a brain working on you know tv and radio because like right now like the cameraman didn't show up today so i've got this camera going <laughs> you're doing great going. i've got, I've got the, uh, the audio recording over here at the same time just adjusting the levels and, and at the same time I'm trying to focus on what you're saying so like our brains can sort of be caught up with other stuff, but not right there in in the moment. Yeah. And and if if people can figure out how to do that more, and I I don't meditate a lot, but occasionally I I do, and I find the times that I do where I just shut my brain down and don't think about anything. For a, some people probably think I don't think about anything all the time, and I'm just <laughs> for twenty years I'm for the just, last twenty there's years. There's nothing going on around there, but just flies or something in that that weird brain. Someone called it's the monkey the with the tent with the with the symbols just clanging away in there. Someone called me the other day the world's first living brain transplant donor. But <laughs> the but the more you you can you know clear your mind and not think about anything just for five minutes a day, it's it's incredible the difference it makes. Even when you go to sleep, you, you're thinking, you, yeah. you, your brain's going. But you just need to shut it down, and it helps. Yeah, a lot of people. I mean, it's a, it's a it's something that a lot of people are finding. Uh, very useful now certainly there's a lot of apps and things around it and in the mental health space a lot of talk about it um I, there's a few apps i've had a crack at yeah like, uh, there's uh what is it uh calm okay yeah. yep hello and welcome to the daily calm oh I yeah i just can't 
handle listening to that lady. You okay. could be one of those guys. Now, you could just, you I know. I want you to close your eyes and just focus on your breathing. And there's another one. I, I can't remember what it's called. It's called Headspace. Yeah, or Headspace. Yeah. There's a dude on there. He's like, hello, welcome to Headspace. <laughs> How are you going? I just think any moment he's going to start trying to sell you something really cheap at a $2 shop. Wait for the guy, just Richie relax. Music. Why are you relaxing? <laughs> What's your fucking problem, hey? Freaking relax. So I, I just find that, that rather than listening to any of those apps, which I've gone off now, yeah. is you know, just got to work this this perineum, I think it's called. It's a muscle in here that, that is perineum. No, the perineum's down the that's, bottom. Yeah, that's your gooch. The yeah, it's the gooch. It's the gooch. <laughs> it's the gooch in the middle of your forehead. The pineal, the pineal gland, not the perineum. <laughs> this is how I just work my perineum to relax at night. I don't well, need a nap anymore. It's so relaxing. I highly recommend <laughs> trying the perineum. No, the, the pineal gland. Apparently, there's this muscle in here that like it, it's the Egyptian eye. Yeah, it's the third eye. Yeah. Not, not, the, not other, the fourth not eye, the other which other is your perineum. Just between yeah. there, the taint. Like when I focus on nothing... <laughs> That looks like I'm doing right now. It's it's like it, it's helping me clear my mind and and just relax it. Yeah, more. I think in the in the in the model for sort of happiness that we prescribe and we use to develop people better, focus is one of the four things that's really important. And and an ability to focus directly affects your ability to be happy and mm. feel good. Mm. If you're scattered, it's like impossible to feel good. If you just like got a million things going on and I can't be, I can't have, how can I have a good relationship? How can I do well at work? Mm. You know, how can I enjoy a moment of any description? So I think that that meditation time, mm. that, you know, perineum time just gives you space to just, you know, to then maybe be able to focus later on, which which really makes a big difference to feeling good and, and you know, enjoying people yourself. People have too many things going on. Yeah. They, they can just focus on a few things it makes life so much easier. Yeah, because you shit at 50 things. Like, you're not even doing a good job of the 50 things. Mm. You know, that's, and that's a massive problem mm. for people. But that goes back to people figuring out exactly what they want to do in their life. Mm -hmm. Because if they're not doing exactly what they want, then they're going to get sick. And, they, you know, they're, they're not going to be happy. And yep. the people around them aren't going to be happy. So find the things that you really want to do with your life and, and just do them. And the, the, one of the best ways to find it is by asking yourself a few questions, yep. I think. Like, ask yourself what you think about a lot of the time, uh, what, what things you might be Googling a lot. Uh, oh, Jesus. Perineum's back. Um, <laughs> you know, just th uh, things that are around your home that you have in your space. And if they have nothing to do with the job that you and the life that you're living, then, you know, you need to change things. People, I've, I've spoken to a few friends about this, and this is a lot of uh, Dr. John Martini's course that... Mm -hmm. I did a, a couple of weekends ago, which is amazing. I highly recommend it. If uh, if anyone wants to find out more, go to uh, drdimartini.com. And a uh, quick plug for him. But it's it's just about... And, and actually on that website, there's a, uh, a, a values um, finder mm -hmm. where, you, where you basically go on there and you, you write all the things down that, that you're interested in in your life and what you're focused on. That color color um, coordinates everything and into different groups. And I highly recommend that, that any of the kids or, or people that you're talking to try it because yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a real eye-opener. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, also just stuff that you're good at, you're always going to enjoy it more. Like mm -hmm. knuckle down and... And attempt and, and see things out, you know, this kind of, sometimes I think people are looking for something that feels good all the time mm. and there just isn't a thing like that. Everything that's good or there's like this kind of balance between like, oh, you got to hustle, you got to work really hard. And then there's these other things like, but feel good all the time by doing what you love. And mm. it's like, well, 
I mean, even though you love your kids more than anything, because I'm not a parent, but I see it, you know, they still drive you nuts, you know, and you still have tough times with them and they're still annoying. So, you know, nothing just feels great all the time. Mm. But but if you can see through how you feel at any given moment to the point of why you're doing it, mm. then you can get on with it. You can and, and it makes it worthwhile. And the better you get at it, the more you get out of it and the more you can do and the more opportunities open up. And I don't think we do enough I don't think we do enough encouraging of people just be really good at stuff. Just be really good. And, you know, we should pat people on the back for being really good and, mm. and encourage don't let anyone tell really you what you should be good at or you shouldn't be good at. You know, if it feels right in your heart and your gut feeling and your brain all at one, just go for it. Yeah, get after it. Do it. And you might have to do that shitty job, you know, working in a cafe or whatever because you want to be an actor. But when you act, you're going to appreciate it so much more and you're going to appreciate that job because it's giving you the money to be able to do that. Yeah. And that way you'll actually link the shit job with something that you want to do so it makes a shit job something you enjoy. That's right. Yeah, it's like training. You know, when you go to the gym, mm. uh, sometimes training sucks. It hurts and, you know, you want to cry and you've, mm. your muscles ache and you want to vomit and it's horrible. But, you know, if you just trained in a way that felt amazing every time, mm. nothing would ever happen. I feel good like after the gym, but yeah. before it's like... Nightmare. Fuck this. Yeah, that's Why? the point. I don't want it. And I will find myself subconsciously just trying to find random crap to do to stop me from going. I go, hang on a minute. How come I'm rearranging the fridge when I just got in my gym gear? Oh, I've run out of time conveniently. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people do that. And and that's, I mean, that's the thing. You just got to notice it and then not do it. But for everything, you know, like what, what am I putting in the way of doing what I should be doing? to look as great as Mike or, you know, whatever, be, as, be super fit or, you know, whatever Don't tease me. <laughs> hey, uh, so how can people find you online? How can they get involved with the Just Be Nice project and know more about you? Give us your Insta, your Twitter, your Facebook, your Pinterest and all, all the kind of places that people can poke and prod you. Yeah, no Pinterest. Uh, not not very good at that. I don't, even, I don't really understand it. But, uh, uh, photos. <laughs> uh, Josh Reed Jones on Twitter. Josh Reed Jones on Instagram. JBN Projects uh, on Facebook and uh, and Instagram as well. And I think we have a Twitter, but the JBN Twitter doesn't do much. But how do people get involved? They hop on. There's a little thing. You just pop your deets in there. A little questionnaire comes through. Ask you a bunch of stuff about what you do and what you like to do, and we sort of take it from there. And and uh, usually someone gets in touch with you, and we have a bit of a chat. And we work a lot with organizations because they sort of have a bit more scale. But when people are interested, there's stuff for people to do. You know, there's always things for people to do. And uh, we try and keep people doing like what they're good at mm. and what make, makes sense to them, you know, and what they can do for a long time. You know, not just necessarily pop in and just do one thing and then mm. call it a day. You know, we want to make it relevant and, and keep them going for a long An time. An ongoing plan. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's how you do, that's how you get, you know, long-term results. You get what long- is your ongoing plan? What is next for you? Mate, I'll just literally just keep scaling, just keep getting more pe- people involved, helping more people, changing the way that people help people and, and you know, trying to do a better job every day of, of what we're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. <laughs> thanks, Legend. Thank you Thank so much you. for being no, on the mic. Dude, it's it's been an incredible conversation. You're a top bloke and you're changing the world one step at a time. I appreciate that, man. Thank you. Just by being nice. <laughs> just be nice. Get out there and be nice, everybody. Do it. Good on you, mate. Thank thanks, you. Thanks, mate. Cheers.